Welcome to BitCast on Podcast One, the video game podcast with the Axeman. Hello, welcome back to the show, it's me again, and you know how there's a brand new Fire Emblem game right now, and it's really popular and good, and everyone loves it and stuff? Well, forget all that, we're going to talk about a really old Fire Emblem game. And to do that, I have some special guests with me. One of them was in a past episode, why don't you introduce yourself first? Hello, ladies and gentlemen, Metal Lover Ben, back here to ruin uh, PT's podcast, because apparently he did he just didn't get enough of me last time. I'm a glutton for punishment. And the other guest, a newcomer to the podcast, why don't you introduce yourself too? Hi, I'm Minute Rise. I just finished recording a Let's Play of the game we're going to be talking about, so I'd like to think I know at least a little bit about the subject. A little bit. Just a tiny bit. Yeah, so the three of us were part of a Let's Play, if you could call it that, well... They they were part of it, and then I just started tagging along and talking over everything and making fun of them the whole time like a jerk. And, and now we're all here talking about the game again on the podcast, which will probably air long before the Let's Play actually does, because these aren't recorded too far in advance. Whereas we actually do have the entire Let's Play recorded, and it's just a matter of getting it edited and uploaded, which, that's a long process. Yeah, it is what it is. So, Metal Lover Ben, Minute Rice, Fire Emblem, Path of Radiance. Uh, Path of Radiance. I, I was just going to say, like, this, this, this game was, like, part of my childhood. It, it, it's old. Like, it's an old game, yeah. It, it is very old. Um, it wasn't part of my childhood, personally. And that's only because I didn't get into Fire Emblem until I was, like, 14, 15 years old. I think I was actually closer to 16. And... Path of Radiance was interesting to me because I actually played it after its sequel, Radiant Dawn. And when I was playing Radiant Dawn, I was like, wow, this seems like there was a backstory here that's so interesting and probably better than whatever story I'm experiencing right now. Let's let's figure that. And then I finally got to play Path of Radiance, and it was a mind-blowing experience at the time because the story was just so much more focused and straightforward and the game was honestly a lot of fun to play, and it reminded me of a lot of the GBA games, which was still very fresh on my mind at the time. Like, it played like them, but it was all 3D and cool, and I don't know. I, I had a really good time playing it my first time through, and it, for the longest time, it was my favorite game in the series. Which one would you say is your favorite now? Now, um, it's really close. Uh, Seven will always have a special place in my heart just for being the first Fire Emblem I ever played. Three Houses is quickly rising up there. Like, the longer I play this game, the more I adore it. Mm -hmm. And then I suppose the other major one is Echoes, just because that game is presented so well, and it brought me an experience I never thought I'd get to play, because trying to play the original Gaiden, well, <laughs> it's irritating to say the least. That's yeah. very uh that, that's a very generous way of describing that game. Well, like the casual player that I am, I first heard of Path of Radiance by reading the name in Nintendo Power magazines throughout middle, junior, and high school, and not caring about it at all. And I was introduced to Ike through Super Smash Bros. Brawl, like ninety percent of the American population was. I can and... join you there. <laughs> I first was introduced to Ike through Brawl as well. I did not start caring about Fire Emblem till way later. Plebs the both of you! I know what I'm about. I did <laughs> quickly piece together that if it had Radiant in the title, or some permutation of that word, it probably starred Ike. And Yes, that's a fair way to put it. And I was just content to leave it at that, but then you guys were doing a recording, and I thought, hey, that sounds fun, I'll join you sometime, and I got to experience the game for the first time with your Let's Play experience. I apologize for that. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, the way we played Path of Radiance does that game a huge disservice, because it is a really good game, just on a lot of different levels. It has a lot of things in it that I feel were handled better than a lot of other areas in the series. For example, the uh, base preparation. One of the best ways to handle the uh, mid-chapter lulls and presenting information and story and supports and all of that. 
It was really well done. Um, Radiant Dawn actually did have... Around... Sorry. Sorry. I was just going to say it's well done as opposed to wandering around an entire monastery for like hours at a time between levels. Um, I actually do really enjoy the monastery, but that's a conversation for another day. <laughs> I'm still salty about it. Sorry, continue. There will be time for Three Houses talk in future episodes. I'm going to talk about that game some more. It doesn't <laughs> matter who I talk about it with, but it's going to happen. Just not right now. Anyway, like I was saying... Uh, Radiant Dawn did have a more mechanically interesting version of the uh, base preparations, but I still think Path of Radiances is just better. Just for the, it, it feels more streamlined to operate, and it has actual supports, whereas Radiant Dawn supports are pathetic. So I can't really speak for any yeah. of the Radiant Dawn thrashing, but I did watch a lot of the early Let's Play parts before I came in. I even helped title and describe the episodes, so that's a, that's a quick plug in advance. But I did see that the game really had an interesting presentation and a cool way for it to justify a lot of the quirks, like the shopkeepers and stuff. I thought it was really well handled. Uh, yeah, I actually agree. I thought that having the shopkeepers as actual legitimate characters for a change was you know, a nice way to shake it up and actually justifying them being there. Yeah, it was a good touch, among other things. I was just going to say, like, they even justify, like, why the shopkeepers keep following you around, you know? There's multiple points throughout the story that, uh, you know, you have those base conversations, and they're with the shopkeepers, and they're like, yeah, no, we're, we're, we're still here, it, it's cool, yeah, we're going to keep following you, you guys pay really well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to put it generously, spent so much money on the forging system. Speaking <laughs> of... I believe Path of Radiance was the first game to introduce the forging system. Anyone have any thoughts on that before I start sharing? I can't think of another game that did anything similar, honestly. Honestly, I think that the Path of Radiance Radiant Dawn version, because they're very, very similar across both games, is the best forging system that the, uh, the series has had. It lets you be very specific with what you're going to boost with the weapons that you're forging, and... The ability to pick your color on the weapons was a really nice touch, and that color would be reflected in the combat animations, provided you didn't turn the animations off, but that's another topic for later in the episode. <laughs> so yeah, I really enjoy that aspect of it, and even though it is kind of annoying that you can only do one per chapter in Path of Radiance, I think that's actually a fair limit, given how powerful forges can be. Ah, you guys are the seasoned Fire Emblem veterans, I'm the 3ds newcomer so i have a bit of a different perspective on a lot of these things and a lot more willingness to take you at your word see the problem with that kind of idea is that rice and i play these games very differently oh i noticed you know like yeah he like uh, hold on brain work now the, the way minute rice looks at these games and looks at like all the stats and does all the math in his head and stuff like that is very different to the way I kind of go, I like this character, I'm going to put them forward and make them get as much expes um, as possible. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, I like to try and think about the situation that the game presents me with and come up with a solution that I feel would work. And that did not come across in the Let's Play, because <laughs> in a Let's Play, you have to have commentary. And uh, surprisingly, commentary occupies a significant portion of the brain. Post commentary. But when I'm... We, we really should have done that, but we didn't, and it's in the past now. Yeah. But when I'm playing by myself, I'm very much into that mindset of checking everything, uh, watching, trying to figure out how the enemies will attack me, uh, placing characters in ranges deliberately, uh, picking the weapons I want for a specific effect, all of that fun stuff. I like untangling the solutions for and these games. And cursing like a sailor when you get it wrong. Yeah, yes. I, felt, I felt like your approach was more like you were trying to kind of find your own way within the game's rules instead of really following any of the game's suggestions. But I know you said that your gameplay recording didn't really match what you actually feel. Yeah, it's... I wasn't expecting the whole different mindset thing for Let's Playing, but there really is a different mindset when you're having to talk over these games and ben you'll get to see exactly what i'm talking about if we uh move forward with fe7 i think a lot of people kind of use that as an excuse especially for like people like game grumps and stuff but i think 
it is true to an extent. You are splitting your focus more than you're used to. And it, it can be worked around, but it is something to contend with. Yeah. Stop making excuses some... for the scrub. Haha, <laughs> <laughs> ha, you're funny. In, in some games, it, it doesn't matter as much because they're not like crazy difficult, but Fire Emblem requires presence of mind or it will kick your butt to high heaven and back. Yeah. I will say that now that I'm playing Three Houses and really with any of the games, I feel myself becoming a little more and more strategic with each new game kind of learning what I learned from the last game. And unofficially, I guess Path of Radiance also counts now because I kind of remember some of your quirks and stuff, and I try to keep some of that in mind when I'm when I'm going through Three Houses stuff. Yeah, that that is definitely something. You learn a little bit new about each Fire Emblem game as you continue to play more of them and figure out what works and what doesn't. But at the same time, each game also kind of has their own unique quirks, little different things where a strategy will work in one game and maybe not necessarily another. Yeah, like the broken weapons in Three Houses, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think that's different from broken weapons in other games because if a weapon breaks in an older game, it's just gone. Here, you're holding a piece of garbage until you throw it somewhere. That's actually uh, taken from Fire Emblem 4, Genealogy of the Holy War. That game had a blacksmith system to repair your weapons, and if you broke a weapon, it would just turn into a piece of garbage. Oh, okay. And, well, now that I know the blacksmith can fix weapons, I can kind of... I don't have to sell off so much useless garbage. Yeah. Basically. Um, the way Three Houses handled its foraging system is an evolution of the way genealogy did. Anyway, we should probably refocus on Path of Radiance before we get too distracted. Yeah, that, that happens with all my guests. We like to talk about other games and get sidetracked with hypotheticals. Uh. <laughs> well, I mean, it is part of the same series, so... Yeah. It is with Fire Emblem, it is, it is difficult to talk about just one game in isolation because each game is influenced by the games that came before it. Yeah, yeah. You get that in a lot of series, but Fire Emblem has similar gameplay all across the board that you can really notice it there. Yeah, so it's very easy to draw direct lines from a mechanic taken from one game. For example, the way Path of Radiance handled its uh, Kanto mechanic, which is the, the way the horses move after taking their attack, that comes directly from the SNES games, where, again, horses could finish up their movement range after they make an attack, whereas with the GBA games... They could only do that if they did something that wasn't attacking, like talking or visiting a village or using an item or whatever. Yeah, they brought Kanto back in the new game, and I have to get used to that because I've never played any of the games that had it. It's a fun mechanic, and there's a lot of different applications for it. So I'm glad they brought it back. I just, I don't know, I kind of miss GBA Kanto because GBA Kanto interacted with the rescue system, which is actually something that uh, Path of Radiance used as well, where you could pick units up with another unit. And with Kanto, you could use that to carry them away from wherever they were. It was a really great way to get you out of tight spots. So, it's one of the things I really like about Path of Radiance, and I kind of wish they didn't get rid of Rescue, but whatever. Well, one thing that I found interesting about Path of Radiance is how, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, if this isn't the only time they did this, but I noticed in a lot of Fire Emblem games, you have the token animal transformation character. In Path of Radiance, they were really integral to the plot. Yes, yes they were. I feel like that was a very deliberate move on the part of the developers for that game. Uh, just to explore something that was always interesting about the series, but never really, you know... They didn't dive into it like Path of Radiance did, and I think, for the most part, Path of Radiance handled it really well. There's the obvious furry racism <laughs> jokes that you could make given the nature of the game's plot, but it added a lot to the story, and I think it added more than it took away. Yeah. Yeah, but Path of Radiance was also the first one to do the shapeshifters that weren't specifically dragons as well, which is probably a point worth mentioning as far as this game is concerned, because up till this point, I'm like 99.9% .9 certain the only shapeshifters you got were... Were um, dragons. Oh, like, were dragons and Zane. Okay, you also got Zane from Shadow Dragon. Okay, yeah, oh, I remember. Yeah. I remember when I was reading about the the rabbit people in Awakening. They said, "Oh, these are just like the Lagoos." Actually, no. I thought I thought they were saying, "Oh, this is just like Lagoos." I was like, "Lagoos? Which character is that?" <laughs> and then I learned 
that was the term for the entire population of animal shifters. Yeah, the Lagoos were certainly an inspiration to the character of Pane from Awakening, which I'm cool with. A giant murder rabbit is always fun. She's very fluffy. Don't, don't mess with the bunny. Precisely. <laughs> it's also a trend that's kind of kept going with other Fire Emblem games as well. You did see it in... Um, yeah, Fates did use it. Like you said, Awakening. Fates used it as well. Um, there isn't... I don't believe there's any shapeshifters in Three Houses, though. So Or Echoes, uh, for that matter. Was was there any in the first game? I think you said Shadow Dragon had one. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Shadow Dragon had uh, a dragon. Yeah, so it actually had a, had a couple of dragons, dragons and then there was uh, Zane who could basically uh, copy one of your units temporarily, and you could get a second version of that unit on the field. Okay. And I mean, lore-wise, he was also kind of a dragon that couldn't transform into a dragon anymore. But hey, who cares about the lore, right? Oh, I didn't know that about the lore, so that's news to me. That's cool interesting this is what happens when you have to like dig through the wiki to write fan fiction <laughs> <laughs> by the way read invisible ties by metal lover ben don't oh, please god don't read invisible ties anymore and then after that make sure you read futures Zen. you can also read blazing trinity his adaptation to fire emblem 7 and you can also read metal lover's self-absurd adventure edited by yours truly if you hate yourself hashtag because... shameless plug they did this, not me, okay? I do not endorse these people. Your plot twist. This podcast is just a, a stand so I can I can just huck fan fictions at people. All all like twelve <laughs> people who listen to this. Nani? So the story of Fire Emblem Path of Radiance is this entire war that breaks out and it just takes everyone in the continent by storm. All the different countries have to do stuff, and you control Ike, who is the first protagonist of the series to not be nobility of some kind. This is true. No, he's actually right. I know they kind of fake you out with Alm and Celica a bit, but they're about as subtle as a explosion with that. I don't think they were trying to be subtle with uh, Alm and Celica. I think you were supposed to catch on to it before the characters for a bit of dramatic irony, but with Ike, he is genuinely the first non-noble protagonist of any Fire Emblem game, and I think that's a big part of what makes him so endearing, because he's very down-to-earth, and you see throughout Path of Radiance that he's very personable, taking the time to step aside and get to know everyone who joins the army, and he always has a hands in things, and he's, he's not afraid to say his mind. He doesn't really have much use for decorum. And I, I think that's what makes him work as a protagonist in this game, among many other things that make the story work. Yeah, Ike was a very enjoyable protagonist, and I enjoyed reading his dialogue. Yeah, he's a lot of fun. He's a really good straight man. Very much so. He does seem a little dull at first, but the longer you go into the game, the more of him you see and the more interesting he becomes, especially when you start getting into his dynamic with the Black Knight, which shows a little bit of his darker, more vengeful side. So I felt like that was also a really interesting development, especially considering that that side didn't really start coming out until closer to the end of the game. Yeah, I missed most of the Black Knight scenes, sadly enough. But <laughs> I still like Ike despite all that, so I can only imagine he'd be that much better if I did see them. Seriously, if you haven't played Path of Radiance, find a way to play it. It is definitely worth the effort. People are so fond of Ike, both in and out of universe, that in Fire Emblem Heroes, Ike is just hailed as this the strongest man alive or something. Yeah, Ike is quite powerful. Uh, in terms of the story, he's a force of nature who gets stuff done, but in, then in the game, he's an insane unit. You basically can park him in front of an army in the late game and watch them completely shred themselves on his sword, especially after he gets Ragnell because that blade is broken. Honestly, I think the only more... I, I have literally done that, yeah. <laughs> I think the only more broken lord in the entire series would be Sigurd from FE4. Mm, I've heard that name. <laughs> I don't know, if you put enough time and effort into some of the lords from um, Fire Emblem 7, you know, you like... You get Lynn to the point where her avoid is so high, you literally can't touch her. Yeah, but at the you same know, time, Lynn does have a chance of getting severely RNG screwed on strength due to her low growth. Like, with Lynn, whether or not she's good is dependent on RNG, which 
it, it's a nature of Fire Emblem. Everything is dependent on RNG. But I a cursed digital dice screwing up our lives. <laughs> yeah. As the children say, sometimes it be like that. <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts on the story of Fire Emblem Path of Radiance? It's good. Oh, okay. It is honestly one of those games that actually started me writing fan fiction, so... What it does well is that it it's very good at immersing you and uh, merging its gameplay and its story together so that you feel like you're in the world no matter how video gamey the stuff you're doing actually is. I, I, it's one of the aspects of it I really love. And then it does have a lot of like lore and backstory built into it that you can dig around and find through supports and info conversations. And even a lot of the big plot reveals do a lot to develop the history of this world. And oh, yeah, I can, I can see that. Like uh, something related to the final boss, which might be a spoiler. I'm not sure. So a uh, spoiler warning in case... Just in case, yeah. <laughs> I like how you had the Wyvern Rider as the final boss, and oh yeah, it's just a class, but oh, that's not just any Wyvern, that's one of the Lagoos. Oops. Like, that was a really cool detail. It was a cool detail, and it kind of cements Ashnard as, like, a really hateable villain. He's very simple as a villain, but simple doesn't have to mean bad. And with Ashnard, between the backstory of how he rose to power... And what he did to Rajayan, yes, that is how to pronounce that name. <laughs> and just the way he yeah. operates in general, he's very, you, you love to hate him. What was his whole, like, spoiler warning again, what was his whole motivation for trying to, like, revive the Chaos God? Like, what? why was he doing it? I think it was just simple power. He wanted the power of yeah, the he Dark was God. Just, yeah, he, he, he was just like a scenery-chewing villain in that regard, like. He was so well built up, and his motivation was just, like... And then I why? turned him into incel Sean Connery. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, that joke. Anyway, um... But, uh, like, why? Why did he do that? Like, that's my only gripe with the story, basically. Like, his motivation, the big bad's motivation, was very weak, in my opinion. Yes, it was, but it didn't have to be super strong either, and... One of the things that we actually didn't get to do in the Let's Play because we weren't playing on Difficult, but if you're playing on Difficult or the Japanese exclusive Maniac, after you beat him the first time, he'll grab the medallion, which is the big MacGuffin of that game, and take the power of the Dark God into himself and become a super version of himself. Huh. So I and, actually didn't know that. You didn't know that? No. Yeah. <laughs> I've been playing this game for 15 years and I didn't know that. We had one of those reveals during the game as well. Okay, remember when we attacked, um, spoiler warning, uh, late game, we attacked one of the oh, bosses. Oh yeah, we attacked Patrine with Soren and found out that Patrine was a branded. And for yeah, context... Which means she's half Lagoos. Yeah, a branded is someone who's half Lagoos. And that has its own backstory that's actually elaborated more on in Radiant Dawn, one of the few things Radiant Dawn did right, in my opinion. And it just, it like totally blew my mind because 15 years later i'm still learning something new about this game yeah and that's another thing i love about path of radiance it's so dense you can go through it several times and still see things that you didn't know before as evidenced by me just like squeakily squeakily screaming at the computer screen as we were recording well uh going back to ashner for a bit i do agree that he was a little weak as a villain he wasn't he wasn't unmemorable by any means but i don't think of him when i think of path of radiance i think most people consider the black knight to be the real memorable villain of the duology yeah the black knight is more active in more of the story and he has that whole mystery built up around him of his motivations and his past and all of that and it just it makes him interesting to fight Look, all I'm saying is we have a Black Knight Assist trophy in Ultimate. We don't have an Ashnerd one. <laughs> Sadly, we don't have an Oliver one. Yes. Honestly, as sad. far as as far as Fire Emblem villains go, Ashnard is still like up there. Like he's still got good motivation and stuff like that compared to a lot of other villains in this series. Yeah, he's which... no Validar or Garen or anything like that. Yeah, like, he's not that bad, but he definitely doesn't, like, reach the heights of, like, Nurgle or, you know, Medius or anyone. Or Lion. 
Lion is yeah. a really great villain. I mean, Sacred Stones has its issues, but it has one of the best villains of the series. Yeah, the character development in that one was definitely good. But yeah, like Ajnard is probably around the middle tier of Fire Emblem villains. Yeah, I can agree with that. One thing I liked about Path of Radiance, which is something I like in a lot of games, is just how Ike grows over the course of the game in terms of what he can accomplish, things like that. Because it just start off as kind of a shoestring operation with a few tough knights, until by the end Ike is a general commanding an empire's army and anyone who's willing to grab a pitchfork and hop in with him. Yeah, no, I, the Ike's character arc is the main attraction of Path of Radiance, as he goes from being a sheltered, naive mercenary who's only seen his small slice of the world to being a wise leader, someone who can inspire others, or at least would inspire if I hadn't chosen to skip that speech. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's why Path of Radiance has one of the more memorable stories in the series, because it's not just the story of this big war. You know, the characters actually develop as the story goes on. You know, it's not just Ike that grows as a person and grows as, like, a leader and stuff like that. It's also the female lead, Alincia, as well, who, at the end of the game, you know, she's actually grabbed a sword. Like, the queen that you are trying to help restore on the throne as part of the storyline of the game has grabbed a sword, put on some armor, and she's like, Okay, I'm in. Let's do it. That's one of the few areas where there's actually a bit of dissonance between the story and the game, because the fact that she picks up a sword and joins the fight, that's great and all. But as a unit, she kind of sucks. Like, she's a staff bot. <laughs> Straight up, she is not a good fighter. Yeah, but you can never have too many healers in these games. Yeah, that's true. I do think Alincia had a really nice character arc. I didn't really notice it as we were going through it, but by the end I did observe that she'd grown in her own way, almost kind of as a parallel to Ike. And Yeah, like Path of Radiance is very much Ike's story. You know, it's nice to see Alincia like, to the side doing the same sort of growth. And, like, if you pay attention to her, yeah, it is nice seeing her develop as a character as the story goes on. But Path of Radiance is very much, like, Ike's coming of age. Very much Which is, much so. again, why he's such a popular lore and why he's such a popular character. And say what you will about the voice acted cutscenes. Actually, I'll probably say everything that you say about them. But... They suck! Yeah, they suck. But... <laughs> they were horrible! I really liked the last one with Ike and Alincia. I thought it was actually kind of cute and a good summary of the journey they've taken together yeah in terms of the story and what's actually in the scene it's very well done it, it caps off the story and cinematically it's very well presented it's very pleasing to look at honestly i wish more fire emblem cutscenes were done in that sort of smooth looking style where you know all the animation is you know smooth and pretty and takes advantage of the higher frame rates available to cgi if there's one thing I can knock Echoes and Three Houses for is that their cutscenes look super janky because they cap the frame rate way too low in order to chase that 2D animated look. And if you're going to chase a 2D animated look, just just hand draw the animation. Nah, that takes too much effort. Uh, yeah, that was a good scene, a good way to end the game on a high note, I think. Very much so. If only Ike's voice actor wasn't garbage. Well... <laughs> If only they had actually maintained some sort of contact between the space of Path of Radiance and Radiant Dawn. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I will try not to crap on Radiant Dawn. Well, I, mean, I don't like Radiant Dawn. Let's not talk about Radiant Dawn too much. Well, I was going to say that Path of Radiance and also Radiant Dawn was before Nintendo really started trying with their english voice talent it took this them until true. like the 3ds generation with awakening and kid icarus uprising to really start trying harder thank you for bringing up kid icarus uprising that is like one of my favorite fully voiced games that nintendo has ever done in terms oh, of yeah. the voice acting oh yeah it's a good one i i should actually do an episode with that sometime i know just who to do it with too so Nintendo didn't start trying with their voice talent until much later, and I like to think Greg Chun is a very good Ike in all of his appearances as Ike. Yeah, no, I will agree. He was Lucas in Echoes, and now he's Ike in Heroes and Smash Brothers. He was yeah. Alfin in Octopath Traveler. I never did play to remember that game very much. I should really go back to that game. It was really good. Oh man, we were playing it around the same time, and then you dropped it. 
yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I stopped playing it and I didn't pick it back up and I couldn't say why because it was a very good game. It was fun to play, it was beautiful, had some interesting storylines going on, but... I have done several episodes based on Octopath Traveler if anyone listening is interested. I bought Flawless it, never plug. played it, and then sold it. Nah, I've, I've done that with games before. I have yeah, not I, done I just, that with games. I, I well, did not have the time. I, I just, just didn't have the time. I just really, I, I just really need money sometimes, and <laughs> you know, I hope I, I have, never get that desperate. I have Okami on Switch. I don't need it on Wii. So bye. that's fair. Yeah, it's usually games that are redundant or games that I, I literally I know I'm never gonna play it again. But th- this is getting into my personal life here. So Fire Emblem: Path of Radiance. You know, the game we keep trying to talk about. We're a very distractible okay, so, bunch. Yes, we are. Uh, I, I guess a little bit of background story about Path of Radiance. I probably said this in the Let's Play, so if anybody watches this or listens to this and then watches the Let's Play, you're going to get the story twice. But uh, I actually was one of those very lucky few to buy Path of Radiance retail in the PAL format because I live in Australia and we don't get NTSC. Ha ha ha. But, um, yeah, I actually bought it brand new at Kmart. Well, Kmart was still a thing here. Like, I I had that game for, like, 15 years, almost. I I still have... It's in my display case right behind me. Like, it's on my Fire Emblem shelf. I have Path of Radiance in, like, a a space of honor. (laughs) But I actually... Like, I played this game probably 300 hours as a teenager, no, I was late to my first job because of this game, you know? <laughs> and so, it wasn't even a real job. Like, we do work experience as part of, hot, like, grade 10 here. So I was, like, 14 years old. And my dad gets home. And he's like, why are you sitting here in your underwear playing, you know, playing your GameCube on the big screen TV in the living room? I have to bring you to work. I'm like, I got time. No, you don't. I don't got time. <laughs> I don't think you told that part of the story. No, but thank you for the mental image. <laughs> well, like, I-, I had, like, the entire week off work, uh, off school, and I was like, you know what? I-, I know all my friends are doing, like, super serious work experience jobs. You know, they're nine to five. I have, like, a three-hour stint on, like, the uh, local radio station that I do, like, four days this week. So the rest of my week is just Fire Emblem. On this gigantic, like, 50-inch screen TV that we had. So, yeah, it it was heaven for me. Like, And I was still late because I was playing this game. I still remember I was on... I don't remember the... the it's the mission where you're attacking the wall when you're first invading Dayan. Okay, yeah, I know which one you're talking uh, about. That's the, the one where you can get Shinon back yeah. for some reason. Yeah, that. It was that, it was that mission that I was... Uh, playing when i was late so when rice was playing that level were you getting vietnam flashbacks of your dad yelling at you yeah basically so this game has a special place in both your hearts then it used to for me um let's playing it did bring my opinion down somewhat just because this game is very very slow and it's visually speaking very very rough like I know, it's it... not the kind of game you can play piecemeal like we did. Like this yeah. is a sit down and lose yourself for an afternoon type of game. Not like a it very much sit is. down, record for an hour, and then go do something else kind of game. Yeah. But beyond that, though, it's just the slow pace of the game. Even if you turn the animations off, it takes forever to get through a turn, and it doesn't have the quality of life features that modern Fire Emblem enjoys. Where if you don't want to see something, you could just push the start button and skip it. You couldn't do that Ooh. with this game, and then visually speaking it is kind of a letdown because the game boy games are so vibrant and their animations are so expressive and then this game is just really stiff and it's a kind of a double whammy for me because i actually know that the gamecube is capable of higher fidelity visuals because metroid primes one and two are a thing and those games still look good to this day yeah yeah but i think a lot of the lines of dialogue like a lot of dialogue like written dialogue went into this game i think that takes up a lot of space yeah, that's fair. Space uh, was significantly more limited at the time, especially with those tiny discs. I was just about to say that on those teeny tiny little donut discs. Correct me if I'm wrong, this was their first attempt at a 3D Fire Emblem game, wasn't it? It was. Uh, technically, it was their second, but Fire Emblem 64 never happened, so... Oh. 
I don't think Fire Emblem 64 would have been 3D, though. I think they would have gone with a um, 32-bit 2D Dude. look. Paper yeah, Fire Emblem. Um, yeah, pretty much. Like, I, I saw the rough screenshots they had for it, and it was kind of like that sort of 2.5D, you know? It was sort of in between. I, I, I There are, like, three screenshots for this game, like, this game engine that they made that exists, so... <laughs> yeah. Wonder what uh, things would be like if we'd gotten Fire Emblem 64. The world may never know. Mm. Well, actually... I mean, would that have come... No, no, that that would have been before Melee, so we wouldn't have gotten it regardless. This is true. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're not wrong. But if it had come out, uh, dedicated fans would most certainly have a translation patch going, because all all seven Japan-only games actually do have functional fan translations now. Oh. Yeah, now, as of 2019. Well, I think yeah. in the, in the Thracia, public consciousness, Echoes replaces Gaiden now, so... Oh, the, without that's question. Like an one. Yeah, if only we could get a decent Echoes game of Shadow Dragon, because, wow, Shadow Dragon did not age well. Yeah, I played it for a little bit, downloaded it onto the Wii U in order to buy it officially, and I played it, and I'm like, eh, I'm not going to come back to this one. You are clearly not a dedicated enough fan, Rice. Like, clearly you are not Fire Emblem at heart, all right? Do you know how many times I've beaten that game? I'm Minerva sure it's is been a waifu, lot. and I will kill anybody that disagrees with me. Okay, I will shank. Bitcast does not condone shanking, and the views of Metal <laughs> Lover Ben do not reflect the views of Minute Rice and PT Axeman <laughs> Alex, whatever he's called. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't. I'm not the only one that thinks Minerva is best girl. Okay, I I don't I can't get into all Fire Emblem games equally. There's it, there has to be some kind of hook to draw me in, and Shadow Dragon didn't really have that you're a very story oriented player we discussed this in one of the let's play episodes yes i do put a lot of emphasis on story and that has a lot to do with my first experience with fire emblem way back on the game boy when i played fire emblem 7 it was the story that kept me wanting to play the game i had to beat the level so i could see what happens next like it was that sort of magical experience that brought me into the series and that's part of the reason Path of Radiance impressed on me so strongly the first time I played it because it has one of the best narratives in the series. See, I'm more of a... Well, I like a good story as much as the next guy, but I've always been more of a character appreciator. I don't think that's a word, but I've always been more into the characters. So it's good when a game... Use the word aficionado. It sounds fancy. (laughs) It's good when a game can have both, and I think Path of Radiance struck that balance well it did with some of the characters then you get like characters like nephany who is yeah. an absolute beast on the battlefield and has like three support conversations so you do not get to know this character yeah that's a shame that is a shame but yeah I- i'm kind of in the middle like i need a good balance of decent story and decent characters like you-, you look at a game like shadow dragon just using another fire emblem game as an example like shadow dragon it does actually have like a good story but the characters are all so bland and underdeveloped just because of the technical limitations of the time like if you look at the ds version of shadow dragon it is literally just the uh nes game with a fresh coat of paint gussied up yeah so you know you still get the amazing story of marth who is you know going to kill Medius, the evil dark dragon, and, you know, save all of Arcanea with this army of faceless red shirts. Okay. Yeah, that is a shame. But then you get a game like Fates, who has, like, you know, Fire Emblem Fates on the opposite end of the spectrum that has amazing characters and just totally wastes them on a dumpster fire of a story. Yeah. I've always said that the characters were what I liked about Fates. It was never really the story. Well, okay, I liked the story ideas, but then Echoes and Three Houses kind of salvaged that for me. So th- they had a lot of similar story hooks. So I was like, okay, it can be done. Yeah, I feel like Three Houses in particular is really what Fates should have been. A game that presents you with three different paths for the story to take. And none of those paths are wrong. Yeah. And then it executes each one very well, whereas Fates failed to execute any of its paths. Also, Fates made you pay for each of its paths separately, whereas Three Houses gives you all of its paths, spoiler alert, in one package. I've heard that 
part of that might have been some executive meddling, but don't quote me on that. It's a but, possibility. Well, with fates, but... definitely. Yeah, with fates, I meant. Most definitely, you know. I, I think a lot of fates was executive meddling. Yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. The game probably would have been different. For better or worse, I don't know. But I want to go back to Path of Radiance, and I say that the characters were really likable, for the most part. Or if not, they were at least memorable. But then you get some characters where I'm just like, who are you again? There was that so yeah. there's that swordsman in the desert who I remember literally because okay, I remember most of those because I have a decent memory, but there's that swordsman in the desert who's just pointless. There was Dev Dan who seemed like he might have been cool, but then we never touched him and we never missed him. There was some extra lagoos you got from another desert. It's like yeah, who that, are all these people? That's just like of, a lot of these characters actually do have a like decent backstory if you take the time to use them and get the support conversations and learn about these characters. Like, you learn that the swordsman we picked up in the desert, Stefan, he's actually the protector of a village where Lagoos and humans live side by side. And I don't remember, is he a branded as well? I don't remember that, but I don't I, know I Stefan's backstory be. because I never used him. I still haven't used him. He actually, like, if you use him, he actually teaches Ike how to use, um, like, he teaches Ike swords, sword play and stuff like that and extra conversations and things like that. Uh, you learn that the de the tiger that you pick up in the Begneon Desert, Murim, or however you pronounce Morim. his name, is, like, former slave. You know, that's why he's a freedom fighter. So you learn about these characters, but you, re like, like any other Fire Emblem game, like, okay, any other modern Fire Emblem game, you really gotta put the effort in. Devdon just sucks anyway, don't worry, we didn't miss anything with him. These are all really cool, but I'm already attached to Ike and his circle of mercenary pals, most of the early game people, that I don't really care about a lot of these latecomers, though part of that might just be because I watched Rice play and stick with most of the early guys. And that that's a franchise thing. It's not just limited to Path of Radiance, is that if you want to use all the characters, you have to play these games many, 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 many times, and... I, I don't have the mental energy to do that, so I tend to stick with the team that starts me out because, you know, they're the people you meet first, you get attached to them, and then you meet these new people, and you want to get to know them, but you don't have room in your roster. It's actually another reason I really liked Echoes is that you could use everybody in that game. Okay, you know what? I'm going to say it. Screw Blazing Blade and screw Reynold. He was not worth putting in the effort to get those A supports in the last level. I've sorry. I've sorry. never used Renault beyond his combat abilities. This is one of those things that the series has done for like ever, like ever. This I, is something that they just constantly do. I get the sense that they kind of started picking up on that with three houses because it seems like the structure of the houses is kind of built around. Here's your starting team. Get attached to them. Anyone else you find is just bonus. Like it's 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 kind of designed with that in mind. I think. I feel like it is, but because that game is built with the intention that you're going to be playing it multiple times for the story reasons, it gives you a lot of opportunities to get to know all of the characters. So even if you don't get recruit someone in your current playthrough, you know that you'll be able to meet them again in a future playthrough because you're going to have the different starting team. I love the fact that I'll get to have Sylvain in every single campaign because he'll just automatically join whatever house you're leading if you're the female professor. <laughs> and you know what? He's actually a kind of cool guy. I like having him around. He is an interesting character, but that's three houses in general, is that the characters are a very interesting mix of things where at first they present you with a gimmick, a, a thing that is just, they throw in your face, but then you talk to them more and more and more and you learn more about who they are and you're like, oh, they actually have reasons for being the way that they are. And it's not just to fill tropes. Yeah, yeah. everyone feels really likable and f fleshed out. And if they don't, I, I trust that I'll figure it out later. How do you think that... How do you think the people in Path of Radiance compare, other than, say, Ike and Alencia? Honestly, I'd go with the Three Houses characters. Just because... There's so much more room to flesh them out. You get to see so much more of them. 
And with Path of Radiance, it, yeah, there are really good characters in this game, but you only get to see three of their supports, or potentially five of their supports in any given playthrough. So you don't have a lot of time to really dig into who they are. If you want to see the full breadth of their character, you have to play the game three, four, five times and very deliberately plan out your rosters, which I feel is a little counterintuitive, especially when some characters can be very difficult to use. Or some characters have like 20 different support conversations. Yeah, that too. In any category, would you say that Path of Radiance is the peak of the series, just in any regard? Um, I would say at the time when Path of Radiance first came out, it absolutely blew my mind. Okay, this was the first time I could see it on like a giant screen instead of my teeny tiny little Game Boy Advance. So even though the graphics were really... Mediocre. Like, you, like it hasn't aged well. Like, it really hasn't aged well. It is quite mediocre. Like It wasn't even that great for the time. If you look at reviews for Path of Radiance, the graphical fidelity was criticized when the game came out. But again, that comes back to that whole Fire Emblem 64 thing where a lot of it, I think, was recycled. And I could be totally wrong about that, but I do remember reading somewhere that uh, a lot of Path of Radiance's engine was based on that early 64 engine. Wouldn't surprise me. I, I mean, like I said, I could be wrong. It could have been like a bad fan translation article that I was reading. But uh, yeah, I, I think taking that into mind... Hold on, brain work now. I think keeping that in mind that uh, Path of Radiance isn't as bad as it could have been. No, no, not at all. It is a pretty monumental game, but it has blemishes that make it not as good as it could have been especially visually. If there's one thing I will say they improved on is that Radiant Dawn is a much, much prettier looking game. Like, it's visually the kind of presentation I wanted from Path of Radiance. Don't worry, sooner or later, Nintendo, we're going to run out of money and we'll get HD versions. Yeah, except the HD versions will just be the original assets running at 1080p with maybe new textures. Maybe. I'll take what I can get. I'm not picking... Although, you are touching on a point in that Nintendo really should re-release Path of Radiance because of all the games in the series, it's probably one of the most difficult to get a hold of, legitimately anyway. Yeah, it's like hundreds of dollars in US currency on eBay, which we had a discussion about, Ben, where that's not really the price we're used to paying for our games. Like At Brand New, we usually pay like 60 of course, that's before DLC is thrown in, but still. I, I paid $90 for Path of Radiance brand new. Like, that was retail here. Yeah, yeah but that's the Australian dollar, so. At the time, the Australian and the American dollars were pretty much, like, par for par. Like, this was, like I keep saying, nearly 15 years ago at this point. God. That makes me feel old. That makes me feel old, too. <laughs> so is there anything else? that we have to say about Path of Radiance. I'm kind of running no, out I, here. I, I think we... Uh, aside from the fact that it makes me feel old? No, no, I'm pretty... Yeah, I feel like we've really brought up everything we've wanted to say about it. It's a good game. It has its problems, but it's still worth playing if you haven't played it. And even if you can't find a legitimate copy, that still find a way to play it. Yeah, your, your legit overclocked Nintendo GameCube device. Yeah, like the one we used for our Let's Play. With internet capability. Hey, like, I I'm still sitting here, like, with my retail copy, so y'all can bite me. <laughs> well, alright. Uh, ben, before we go, you have any plugs you'd like to make or anything like that? Support me on Patreon! Uh, Patreon slash Metal Lover Ben. I write fanfiction, y'all know that. I I'm edit that fanfiction. A... Silence Editing Slave, return to your cave. <laughs> um, yeah, I am currently working on a novelization of Fire Emblem 7, uh, Blazing Blade. It's the one with Lynn and Ellie Wood and Hector. So, you know, good, fun stuff. Uh, yeah. I'm done with plugs. I'm good. Rice, how about you? We've recorded a Let's Play of Fire Emblem Path of Radiance. It's in editing right now. Should upload soon, I hope. When is soon? Uh, within the next day or two. Really? It's actually ready to go. I just information now. I just need to log in and do it. Okay. Uh, what's the YouTube channel? 
It'll be neckties you can't see. We're going to post it to the main channel. First thing we've done with that channel in over a year since the uh, audio drama quietly died on the vine. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Ragnall's out for for that. All right. Anything else you want to say? No, I think I've about said my piece. All right. Well, I hope everyone enjoyed this episode. Thank you both for having time to talk about Path of Radiance with me. Yes, because we totally spent a lot of time talking about Path of Radiance. We actually did spend a fair amount of time talking about the game. Yes, there was a lot of distraction, but I'd say a good 60 to 70% of the time was actually spent on the subject in question. 60 to 70% of the time. Yeah, that's a a solid B right there. (laughs) You know, we, we have to stay on brand. We have to... It's what people will come to expect of the three of us together. (laughs) <laughs> you're not wrong you're not wrong so no what people will come to expect of us from the three uh expect from the three of us together is the chaos and the swearing and we have not sworn on this episode so well nothing i haven't filtered out <laughs> be aware that the let's play is not safe for work no we swear a lot wear headphones yes wear headphones <laughs> so if you like the BitCast, then be sure to follow the BitCast on Twitter. It's the same name and same image of the words with the headphones and stuff. Or the I, I don't even know what my own logo looks like. I look at it every day. <laughs> it, it's the BitCast. It's the same name on Twitter. You'll, you'll know it when you see it. I'm usually tweeting about whatever has my attention at the time in terms of video games. So... You find it there. I post links to the new episodes every Thursday. Podcast One, just follow me on there. It also has a mobile app if you don't want to be on desktop. And all the episodes are also on iTunes, and they're free to listen to, at the time at least. That's all I have to say. Uh, See you on the next one. Goodbye. Thank you for having me again. Yeah, two episodes now, Rice. Get good, son. Listen to BidCast anytime on podcastone.com and on the Podcast One app.